welcome. It's episode 93 of the Red Leaf Retrocast. It's retro gaming. It is racing, a topic and theme we haven't uh, we haven't really gone back to since the very beginning of this podcast, like four years yeah. ago. Uh, and so we're, we're we're no gimmicks here. It's just straight racing, or at least the idea is straight racing. That's uh, it was Joey's pick, but he's got football to watch today. Everton, his favorite team, is actually playing for the some for something for the first time in decades. <laughs> so oh, geez. he uh, he made it very clear that he isn't making this one, but he sent me a lot of notes, and uh, I, I kind of like the notes he sent. Colin, how you doing? Uh-huh. Pretty good. Although I just remembered we should have done some an intro along the lines of Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Because <laughs> well, hey, today is Sunday. Not the not the right kind of football. <laughs> well for racing really yeah yeah or at for least a or at least the the kind of countdown timer do 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 whereas i guess that i guess that sort of intro is better for something like a demolition derby sure <laughs> monster yeah. truck rally yeah yeah absolutely that part i will agree with so yeah, yeah. racing games uh, something i was i was really playing one game more than a lot of the others just to try to uh get a feel for what changes happened, uh, physics changing, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So I, the thing about the racing games is you kind of, unless you're playing one of those heavy simulation games, you kind of get a feel for it within the first 10 minutes, and then it's just uh, playing out different modes or what whatnot. So I definitely played two of these games more than others. How about yourself, Colin? I played... I mean, I'm, I mostly watched videos for them, although I played I played one on an emulator. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, uh, it's a game. It's a game. But you'll see. Yeah. But truth be told, this these past couple of weeks have been pretty busy with getting stuff ready for my move. Although yesterday I got my my first dose of the covid vaccine. Hell yeah, join Team Pfizer. <laughs> Damn right. Yeah, uh, I could I could say that uh, the 5G just isn't working. I'm very disappointed. I was really kind of hoping my cell phone bill would go down, but you know, uh, give and take, ah, I suppose. Too bad. Yeah. Uh, second week in a row, I did go to the bar after work on a Friday. So Nice, nice. Yep. I had a couple beers, had uh, some fried pickles. So I'm, I'm back in getting into kind of the social life, easing my way into it. Uh, still going a little bit solo. Uh, it's weird in Rhode Island where they originally had kind of the reopen set for, uh, Memorial Day. Uh, it's the week after your big Canadian holiday, Colin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, May long weekend. I believe that's a week yeah. prior to Memorial Day. I think that's this weekend, isn't it? Yeah. It's tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So, see, I still remember the, all the Canadian holidays that I missed very <laughs> much dearly. <laughs> Uh, you won't miss being in Canada right now because our, we're still locked down tight. No, that that is the exception to the rule, of course. So uh, yeah. being that Rhode Island, I guess, not that ever anyone's interested in fucking COVID talk after more than a year, but uh, I just found it interesting <laughs> that the the mayor or governor, whatever the fuck, he's just like, ah, we're doing good enough. Open a week early. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's a weird, bit weird. I don't know if it truly works that way. Why not just save it for the weekend? But anyways, whatever. 
Uh, I got to have yeah. some nice, uh, nice fresh beers. So I might, I might do that on a on a Friday, uh, just kind of treating myself a little bit. I kind of got a nice little budget for myself, and playing a lot of video games. I'm back into Fatal Frame Two and Persona Three, so I do have an update on those two games uh, on on my little nice. list of list of things. I pre-ordered Colin. Shin Megami yeah. Tensei 3 Nocturne HD for my Switch. Uh-oh. Yeah, and uh, just so happens nice. the GameStop that I pre-ordered at um, were kind of not so much giving away free t-shirts and shit, but uh, what happened was they just closed a another GameStop kind of in the in the ballpark of the area, and they Uh-oh. just they just took on so much inventory, like everything's on sale heavily, or if you pre-order a game, mm. you get to pick a t-shirt or something. So I kind of lucked into that. I got a sick little uh, ni- uh, party like it's 1994 PlayStation shirt. I really like it. It's uh, really comfortable. <laughs> One of my favorite shirts immediately. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I don't I, Come to think of it, I don't have a lot of video game like peripheral merch, like t-shirts and such. How about yourself? Yeah, I've got a few t-shirts. And uh, I kept a little pill bottle that was like a reference to Left for Dead. It's like a anti-zombie pills, and it was actually filled with Mike and Ike jellies. Oh, that's neat. <laughs> Although I ate all the jellies, but I kept the, the bottle. And I've also got a, a little decoration that's the the master sword stuck in a rock with the triforce logo ah yes of course yeah like collector's editions i don't do generally uh i i i do do the steelbook editions of video games because eventually in at at some point in time i'll get out of apartment purgatory and (laughs) and get myself uh, enough money saved for uh, a small house or such and i can finally display all my video games out of the CD cases that I have them at. Someday. Nice. That is that is just kind of a, a self-dream I have. A, a simple dream, Colin. I am a simple man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day myself. Yeah, who knows? A... You're in Toronto, so how you have to get on like a 10-year wait list or some shit? <laughs> or just yeah, leave. it's expensive as hell. <laughs> <laughs> just leave Toronto. Go to, I don't know. Windsor. Nah, no one wants to be there. It's a shitty gambling town. <laughs> I could go to I could always go to Cambridge. That's where my brother and his family live. And oh, there's an idea. Your houses are pretty cheap. Yeah, that's an idea. I really like the I like I really like living in the Northeast. I've really come to uh, find a nice comfort here. I still have a couple places I think if something came up, let's just say I wouldn't be hesitant in in immediately dropping everything. <laughs> Such as? Uh, Portland, Maine. Ah. I really like traveling that direction a lot. Uh, there's bowling tournaments. There's, uh, It's much closer to a lot of places where I can snowboard. Uh, there's independent wrestling that's there. It's close enough. It's still close enough to Boston, so big-ass city that I could go to. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the one. That's one of the few places where if you offered me a job there, I would uh, immediately take that without a second thought. nice yeah uh let's see here so video games oh no what i should do is plug the patreon i'm working i i uh, started a massive new project over on the patreon 
uh, $5 tier to go along with all the other wrestling content. So if you're a wrestling fan or interested in learning about wrestling of the past, uh, we do a lot of women's wrestling, which is definitely a topic that isn't on a lot of people's historical context tongues, to say the least. And I just started a, uh, a promotion called Lady Legends Pro Wrestling. It's uh, an offshoot. Uh, think of it as the third women's promotion in Japan during the 90s. And it's uh, oh, yeah. super interesting. The first episode just came out today, and I put it out for oh. free across all platforms. Uh, as uh, it's it's got quite the story that I that I found behind it. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, of its humble of of its humble super beginnings, uh, to say the <laughs> least. So yeah, you can find it on YouTube. You can find it on the All Japan Destiny podcast feed. You can find it on the Red Leaf Retrocast feed. You can find it on. The Patreon that's uh, uh, marked as free, uh, basically everywhere you can find any sort of podcast that I'm related to, including the Big Egg Joshi podcast. Uh, he he was nice enough to agree to throw that episode up on his feed, so it's it's literally everywhere, so you can listen. And if uh, this promotion sounds like it could be interesting with the wrestlers involved, uh, yeah, consider signing up and help support the tape trading that I need to do in order to uh, do this little journey. Nice little tape trading cool. thing. It's like uh, collecting retro video games, but they're only in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> kind of that. I like laser discs. Yeah. So it, it, you know, it, it's it's a it's a lot of things you can do to to learn and preserve history. And um, as a retro gaming podcast, I think we could all agree that preserving history is uh is quite a nice aspect to have in this world. Absolutely. So video games we've been playing. Enough about the plugs and the whatnots, although you should definitely hit us up on Twitter at BowlingJD, Redleaf Retrocast. Colin, what have you been what have you been able to play since you're such a busy, busy guy these days? Well, I had to take a bit of a break from Xenoblade Chronicles. Oh, no Xenoblade but... no Xenoblade drop? Not this time. Oh, Sorry. Okay, that's okay. I'm making it up with my persona drop. <laughs> <laughs> But I did play through all of the part two of the Ancient Gods DLC of Doom Eternal. Okay, do tell. And I gotta say, it's a suitably epic conclusion to the the story. I mean, I have no idea how id Software would continue this story if they decided to do another sequel, but I'm sure it'd be quite a ride. I mean, it's a... I mean, they you got a new feature called the... Uh, the hammer of the gods, or no, sentinel hammer, where you just pound on the ground and then every every enemy around you either explodes into ammo or gets dazed. So that's always a, a fun thing. And it ends up being a bit of a, a key item against the, the final boss of the game. But yeah, until there's another modern day sequel, I can always content myself with the brutal mod for original doom one and two so i watched some youtube footage of it and it looks like a lot of fun because you move at breakneck speed you can aim up and down the gun sounds are punchy as hell and the guns themselves have a bigger selection than the base game it's just pure testosterone fuel <laughs> and that's that's pretty much everything on my end although on a side note i bought myself a new computer chair a dx racer Ah, a little, you're, you've become a gamer chair guy. Damn right. Oh. See, I'm still a couch guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 
It's for mostly when I'm sitting in front of the computer playing on Steam and GOG, but yeah, when it comes to when it comes to my uh, console gaming, I'll probably still play on the couch. Yeah, yeah well, being that I am a laptop gamer and uh, all consoles, <laughs> the, the couch is, <laughs> is very is very comfortable. So might be time to upgrade a couch, but again, eh. <laughs> I think I need a bed first, a new bed. It's been it's been quite a long time. Uh, have ah, you been yeah. watching a lot of kind of let's plays on YouTube? That's that's a topic we kind of don't hit on enough because that is that is a cultural piece that is very popular in the world. I haven't particularly. I mean, sure, I watch those brutal Doom videos, but now it's mostly to get a feel for what I could expect from it. And usually it's just for retro games for the cast that I haven't been able to get a physical copy mm -hmm. of, so or an emulator version. Mm -hmm. So I've been following along a lot of Resident Evil 8 Let's Plays. That's why I kind of bring it up. I've been watching uh, like Markiplier yeah. play it. Um, one of my favorite wrestlers is playing it. So Because uh, I don't know if you know this, Colin. A PS5 is fucking impossible to get a hold of. And I don't want to buy last-gen games anymore. I want to buy new-gen games. So it's kind of... It's also, I guess, kind of me going, Sony, if you would uh, make it easier for me to purchase your system, I would buy all these games. <laughs> yeah. So Resident Evil 8 looks absolutely sick. I'm really enjoying uh, the, the few people I'm watching uh, play this thing. I kind of put it on in the background at work. Uh, and then... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... That it's it's really cool. I like, I I kind of like this werewolf vampire type situation they in introduced in the game. They use the village as kind of a hub, a hub centerpiece world to it all. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The boss fights seem kind of easy. I haven't seen really of the three people uh, that I've been watching have really much any trouble with it. So that seems. Uh, Seems like they went backwards in that regard, but um, also that would be comparing to the original RE games, and RE8 is clearly going in a different direction and and re reestablishing the series as something new, just like what they did with RE7. Yeah, they're going more towards actual horror this time instead of action-adventure. Yeah. I watched a few Let's Plays over Returnal, a game that I super really want. <laughs> Yeah, I watched I watched one video of it and I I was blown away. Yeah, it looks and feels amazing or or at least uh quote unquote feels amazing. It it every every time I see someone play it they're just mesmerized by how the controller reacts to the environment in the game. So that's that haptic controls that they really did and this is the first game to take advantage of that. And uh that right. that's the common consensus over the few let's plays I've seen over Returnal, and being that it's a roguelike, the replay value is incredible. Uh, it seems to uh, it, it seems to have a good little gameplay loop uh, to get you to continue playing. The story seems interesting, with uh, the woman crashing on the planet, and she's slowly realizing that she's retaining memories, which is kind of cool. Uh, I like I quite like that. Not far enough to understand why the bodies stay there. <laughs> ah, yeah. That's a little lost on me. 
but uh, mm-hmm. I did watch one. Uh, I did watch one less player that the game constantly crept kept uh, crashing his PS5. So he oh, was. No. He was. Yeah, he was less than pleased with that. Um, <laughs> not sure if it's a bug of the game because. I was curious over over that particular part. I kind of pulled up a couple other just random less players to see if they were crashing. No, so maybe this guy's just getting real unlucky with something that's triggering maybe a hardware thing in his. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some patches need to be done. Possibly. Yeah, there's always a a chance that the way a certain person plays just triggers something. It's always a possibility. Could be. All right. Well, Fatal Frame 2 update here, Colin. Go for it. Uh, I'm nearing the end of the game. I got a couple more hours in. Uh, I've I've met these. I've unlocked kind of this side story to the main story where there's these uh, twin boys and they dress them up like girls to kind of uh, go through the same cryptic horror hell ceremony that they keep doing. And uh, each time I learn a little bit more information about it, it's it's uh, the the overall story is still kind of lost on me. I'm not really understanding the purpose to it all, but I, I I'm fairly confident that it's all going to make sense in the end. And then uh, there was this really cool section of the game I played uh, uh, just a few days ago where you go down into this uh, cavern area and. One of the girls, uh, Sae, that uh, uh, was part of one of these ceremonies, uh, her spirit is very vengeful. She pissed off. And oh, shit. Uh, your main character uh, drops the camera obscura in this cave. So there's a, a decent amount of time in the game where you're running away from Sae and you have no offense to fight against her. It It recreates the horror and dread that you felt at the beginning of the game. Cause I'm going to be honest before that point, I was getting very much less scared because my camera was getting very strong and I got a feel for the game. So uh, like all the battles and, and everything. And, and some of the boss battles were really goofy. Like there was one where she falls, this chick like falls from the ceiling and she like backward crab walks and then disappears and falls from the ceiling again in front of your face. <laughs> It's really, I was laughing hysterically at that. But this Sae uh, chasing you around uh, this uh, this area as you're uh, you're trying to solve this puzzle to escape her, and then you end up back in the cave and you get the camera back. But that th- those that that period of time where you're where you're absolutely helpless uh, reinvigorated kind of the the fear to it all. And the fact that the camera didn't do anything to the spirit Sae. So that's a that's a big bonus. I, I really like that. So now I'm kind of fighting these twins uh, shortly thereafter. A uh, cool little boss battle where you have to kind of fight them both. And one charges at you really fast once you, uh, if you, if you uh, take a picture of the wrong twin. Uh, it's a doll puzzle. And the dolls kind of come to life with the spirits of the twins situation. Uh, so that was that was neat. So this this back end of the game, uh, once I got past kind of that midpoint lull, uh, reinvigorated a lot. And now I'm trying to find these this like bell under the floorboards, and it's in the I believe it's the Tachibana house, uh, and it's like a maze of nonsense. I just I'm so lost right now. I might I might need oh, to yeah. pull out a walkthrough. Yeah, I was trying. 
I was trying a bit of that this morning. Uh, just a total mess. Uh, yeah, playing a hard game right early in the morning with some morning coffee. Uh, not maybe not the be- the worst way to start off. <laughs> start off the day. So uh, that's that's some Fatal Frame two. I keep saying it, but hopefully I'll have it beat uh, on the next podcast. And then, obviously, time for some Persona three update. <laughs> So yeah, I feel like I haven't played this game in a month, and I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really got kind of tired of the game, or at least I got burnt out from it a little bit. And I've played a few more hours uh, since uh, <laughs> since my not update of the last podcast. And I finally hit some plot progress. Finally. So I'm in like yeah. mid-July in the game, and uh, I've made it to like floor... 80 something or another and oh, there wow. was uh yeah so i fought these like hulk hogan monsters which were kind of funny uh that was <laughs> on like kind of the mid 70s floors and then i fought this annoying uh like pillar tower monster and then once that was over it triggered a a uh, story plot uh right before exams in the game and it was revealed kind of what our goal is of learning about uh, Tartarus and this tower and the dark hour and all this nonsense. Uh, they uh, Mitsuru, a uh, character I'm really, really liking in the game, I like her kind of character development that they're doing, is that uh, oh, yeah. her grandfather owns some research evil company or what, what have you, and 10 years ago uh, they were kind of capturing these shadows and doing uh, totally not weird experiments on them. Uh, to try mm-hmm. to harness energy or what what have you, and of course something goes wrong as they do, and uh, the shadow, yeah, and these shadows, uh, all that they, all these shadows that they had when they escape, we'll 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 put it that way, they kind of became the like twelve arcana, you know, the tarot card creatures. Oh yeah. Yeah, so uh, the they became the 12 tarot card creatures. So Shuji he tells us that if we are to defeat all 12 of these arcana, then uh the dark hour and all that will would uh would disappear. So we finally have a goal <laughs> in this game that's uh-huh. made clear. And there's some yeah, there's some like guilt that Mitsuru has with her grandfather and what what he does and uh, it kind of reveals that if you go through this crazy traumatizing thing as a kid, that you're a candidate to experience the dark hour because of the whole, you know, your persona is your heart incarnate kind of situation. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then the other thing the game hinted at was our main character's parents probably died <laughs> due to this uh, uh, thing gone awry a decade ago. So, uh, Took my exams. Think I passed. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll see how the story goes from there. So I finally I finally revealed something to rekindle my interest in Persona Three. I think it took a a little bit a a little bit too long a time to get to that point because uh, I'm definitely I'm definitely feeling like I'm I'm experiencing a little a, a lull in this game as well as as per I took like a month off from it. <laughs> Did you reach the beach episode? 
No, they're talking about going on vacation to the beach. So I'm very close. Okay. <laughs> very Perfect. close to that. Yeah, yeah. June Junpei is is all hyped up for it. Uh, uh, Yukari's like, oh man, oh, all they care about is us and her bikinis or whatever the fuck. So. <laughs> yeah, she's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, Colin. I don't mind uh, looking at some attractive women in bikinis. So maybe not anime teenage girls, but you get the idea. <laughs> And we haven't exactly seen a lot of the real thing for the past year or so. Uh, you know that is also true. That is a fact. That's a factoid. Uh, it's been a it's been a mm-hmm. been a hot minute. Um, just like this afternoon in Rhode Island, it is very hot outside. So, hmm. all right. I guess we Hello. should talk about these yeah. racing games, eh? Sure. All right. Uh, you know what? We got to go fast. How about some Sonic? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Although Mario Kart could have worked as well. Oh, I got Mario Kart too. I'll do that as well. Hold on. Uh, I gotta find it. <laughs> Where was it? All right. Much shorter drop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, racing games. Colin, uh, you were not a podcast uh, host yet when we did the racing games at the very beginning of this podcast. Uh, when was that? That The last time. We did racing games was February 2017, so it's been over four years. <laughs> Holy shit. The last time, time yeah. Flies. And that was a long podcast episode where we talk about kind of the uh, the culture of, of racing games, um, the fallout over time of it all. Uh, obviously, since the podcast has gone on over time, uh, those deep dive uh, topics have become less and less, uh, and it's more of a chiller podcast these days and i think that's okay podcast got to change over time yeah what is your opinion over daunting to yeah start up yeah yeah exactly um what is your opinion over racing games what's your what's your fandoms past with it all uh well aside from mario kart games the only one i really played extensively was like need for speed Original Hot Pursuit and High Stakes. Mm-hmm. Those were a lot of fun. Yep. Played those on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Did you and have experience so with think... High Stakes, like uh, challenging your friends with your with your car on the memory card, and then you lose it? You're all pissed off. <laughs> no, nah, we, we ended up playing it on the PC. Oh, Just... you missed out on half the fun of, of, of uh, you know, ripping the controller out and uh, you win your friend's car and <laughs> well we didn't have a playstation back then because our parents wouldn't allow it and any any get anybody i knew that had a playstation didn't have that game so i was pretty much stuck there oh what i did with some friends is uh the friend so i would play it for a week and then i would let my friend borrow it for a week and then uh there's kind of long-term storytelling here where three weeks later we'd race each other <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a lot of fun. But hey, I guess I missed out. I think you did. So I mentioned this in the but past. I think I dipped. Go ahead. I think I dipped my toes into F0 at one point. But yeah, that, that pretty much sums up all the all the racing games I played extensively as a kid. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've mentioned this in the past that racing games for me, uh, at least in, in my you know childhood to uh, not quite teenage years, racing games was kind of the thing I had to get because uh, my parents wouldn't let me have M-rated games. So racing games was always the safe bet. And they were, they were always a lot of fun and multiplayer and the like. So uh, there's a game on this list I have a heavy, heavy, uh, uh, big childhood with, especially with uh, Joey. I played the hell out of that game. Uh, Need for Speed, Ridge Racer, Wipeout, all the like. Uh, all kinds of wacky games like uh, uh, Run, uh, Run Wild, where you're racing as animals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not all these <laughs> games are winners. Speed Punks and the like. Uh, yeah, uh, racing games is always a big thing with me. and. I didn't get into Gran Turismo, the series, until I had to, but then, you know, you get you get kind of tired of the simulation simulation games after a while, and then you just kind of want something new, and that you want you want a little bit more, so that's how kind of Needs, Need for Speed came into, came into play for my fandom, and I was never a wheel guy, I was never that, yeah. I was always a, uh, I was always a controller guy. Yeah. Same. Yeah. That's a the little only wheels I played with were in the arcade. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was a uh, that was a little um that's a little backstory there. It's kind of a, a bullet point part of it all. Uh were you ever a manual shift guy in any of these games? Or were you just straight automatic all the time? Automatic. Mm. Yeah, I was I didn't really understand at the time how how that sort of thing worked, so it didn't really, I didn't really bother with it. Yeah, for a long time I was automatic but as well. I was the same way. I was a kid. Yeah, it wasn't until I started learning how to actually drive that I understood how manual transmission worked. Uh, also true. <laughs> Very much the same way. Yep. <laughs> so I can, I can, I can relate there. Uh, there's there's one of these games where I was absolutely trying uh, a lot of the manual control, a little bit more control of the car, learning the physics and everything. I think you can get the handle on it. But uh, anyways, let's not waste any more time, shall we? Okay. Okay. So um, if you don't mind, Colin, I, 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 I'll do the first three games. You can do the last two. Okay. Do you not mind that? Is that okay with you? Maybe. Sure? You still there? <laughs> yeah, I'm still there. Oh, okay, there you are. Jesus. Scaring me. Scaring me. Yeah, voice connection seems a little spotty. Uh, Discord's been fucking up lately. It's had like a number of updates and it's all messed up. It's probably messed with your settings and it's awful. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Our first game here is Gran Turismo 3 A-Spec. Uh Developed by Polyphony Digital, of course. They do all the Gran Turismo games. Uh, published by uh, Sony Computer Entertainment, as it always is. And it came out on the PlayStation 2, uh, basically as a launch title in 2001. Uh, North America came out in the summer, earlier in Japan. And uh, it's a straight-up simulation racing game. Uh, we'll call it Real Racers, like a, like a, a real yeah. robot series. Yeah. Uh, so this game was a critical success and commercial success. What I did cool. to get into this, because I had very little experience with Gran Turismo 3. I have a lot more experience with GT4, okay? 
Okay. I pretty much skipped over GT3 altogether because I did not. I was not able to get a um, a PS2 at launch. That's the that's the difference here with my you background. You and a lot dying. of other people, <laughs> right? Uh, so I yeah, I didn't get a PS2 until like a year after it came out, which in hindsight is kind of the same as what I'm experiencing with the PS5 right now. Very much different circumstances, <laughs> but anyways. So I I what I did before I dove into a game like a Gran Turismo series, Colin, was I popped in GT2 and got a feel for that. I did I I I look, I went through all the stupid license tests that the game makes you do uh in both these fucking games. <laughs> and then I dove into what uh, you know, what the what these what Gran Turismo games usually entail. You know, you got your amateur mode, your pro mode, your rally mode, your what have you. So I got a feel for what GT2 was and did and and felt like. Then I popped in GT3 and I I went balls deep into this game. Okay. The thing i noticed immediately was there was no uh there was no um used car dealership in the game so when you start up the game in gt2 you're able to use your amount of money that you start with and you can choose to buy like a new car or you can buy kind of a a used car and you got to you got to like tune it up or whatnot you know it's it gives you a lot more freedom of choice what to do with your money in GT3, there is no none of that. So you start out with a little more money, but your only your only option is to buy a a newer car. So you're stuck with let's just call it a Honda Civic, okay? And then you and then you're you do your te- you do your various tests uh, to get your you know B license and whatnot. Uh, you know, go around the course, uh, stop before this time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think we get the idea of the license testing in a Gran Turismo game. Uh, And Mm -hmm. then you go off onto the courses. I think the amount of license tests there were necessary because the PS2 physics were very, very different compared to GT2. So that was a big upgrade in technology and that's a bit that's kind of one of the big selling points of GT3 was the upgrade physics engine and the graphics. Makes sense, right? New console you want to show your shit off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and the the cars responded so different compared to the previous iteration. So these license tests, I think, exactly served their purpose and they weren't they weren't overabundant. Uh so like for example, in GT5 or GT Sport uh, for more modern fans, those license tests feels like they go on forever. And at least we're not talking driver type situations where they're impossible to pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did what, now the game goes for only like a couple bucks. Okay. The, the GT three is, is not an expensive game to get these days. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any past experience with GT3, or uh, did did you watch a Let's Play over this thing? What what did you? How did you go about playing this, Colin? Yeah, I watched a Let's Play. I honestly have zero experience whatsoever with any Gran Turismo game. Oh shit! Okay, I mean, so I'll, I'll be the man on this one. Yeah, I mean, I was I was able to get a feel for what the game is like by watching the guy play because he'd like go through all the menu options and 
show all the cars available for purchase, whether you have the money for them or not. And the selection is staggering. See, you and say that, but it's actually not. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, well, one thing, one thing Gran Turismo, I think, does a very good job at is its presentation to it all. It's very, it's very uh, somber, but at the same time being kind of badass and kick, kick start to it all. Yeah, yeah. That's one yeah, thing GT has for, always done. Yeah, it goes for a very realistic yet adrenaline pumping experience. Yeah. Well, then, uh, okay, so ba back to the game here. So you said that there's a lot to take into the game, okay? And yeah. there really isn't. Because, like I said, I put in GT2 before this, okay? Yeah. So, first off, there's still only 19 tracks, just like in 2. And okay. the tracks that they carried over from GT2 aren't even the best ones. Or at least, uh, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, hmm. So, I found that kind of disappointing. That same amount of tracks, new gen, you'd think they'd be able to put more into it. Okay. Also, there's only 180 cars in GT3. On the surface, that may sound like a lot for 2001. But what if I told you, Colin, that is basically the same amount as GT1, and it's way less than two? How many cars less do you think GT3 has compared to Gran Turismo 2? 30? Try 550. Holy fuck. Yeah. Again, disappointing when you put it that way. That is why I think there isn't a used car dealership like there is in 2. They just didn't really have enough cars in order to do that with for GT3. I guess not. So that's a big disappointment. Same amount of tracks, way less cars. Uh, so right now we're kind of dealing with a sequel with less stuff and better physics. That's what we're really looking at here uh, when you dive a little bit deeper into it. So I could totally see being a Gran Turismo fan or a big simulation racing fan popping in GT3 after playing your ass off in GT2 and feeling like you got kind of gypped. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. The other the the now the game issue that I had an issue with, uh, even just kind of looking past all these uh, other elements I've mentioned, is I noticed immediately, whenever I was winning races or coming close, you don't win nearly enough money, uh, even compared to two, you win way less. So what ends up happening because you're winning less money, and when when you have less money. You have less money to buy new cars. You have less money to upgrade your vehicles. So you end up in more races with the same car doing the same thing over and over again more often. So this feels very forced, and it really creates a more boring sense of what GT3 uh, uh, really turned out to be, at least in the early to mid game, because I did play this long enough where once you get past kind of the mid-game stuff, uh, this is when you get to Pro League. So you do your your basic and amateur uh, 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 modes or your leagues. When you get to Pro League, this is where the money's at. The problem there is now, now the money is irrelevant because now you're making so much, you just buy away. 
you buy all your upgrades, you buy all your cars, because what they did in Pro League was make it so difficult that you have to have the best cars in the game with all the best upgrades. So now they've oh, created man. a sense of endurance in in these modes. I didn't get any of that same feeling in GT2. And if memory serves with GT4, I know it's been like 20 years since I played that game <laughs> at this point. Uh, well, okay, 15 years. But uh, GT4, I don't remember it feeling anything like that. But again, I haven't played that game recently. I've played GT2 way, re- way more recent. Hmm. Endurance mode is ass. I hate it. It's really boring, it's super long, and it's just as hard as Pro League. I fucking did not have the time to do, like, a 60-lap course on expert difficulty. That was bullshit. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, rally mode's exactly the same as 2. Not not much else to say there. Uh, and that's kind of how I felt about GT3. I was, I was impressed with the physics, I was impressed with the graphics, uh, but I was very unimpressed with everything else that entailed this game. I still think GT2 is a way better game. It has way more to do. And even if the physics aren't as good as the next gen console, I would definitely just go back and play that some more. So in that sense, I'm failing GT3. I think this was an absolute disappointment compared to uh, the previous GT game. And then uh, from what memory serves of what GT4 was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For my money, for some as someone who has not really interacted with Gran Turismo, I'd, I'd say I'd put it more on the passing side. I mean, for me personally, I prefer stuff that's more pick-up-and-play, like Need for Speed, but it's like, for me, it ultimately comes down more to the driving and not the, the cars themselves. And although Need for Speed balances it pretty nicely, but... Yeah, like you said, the the graphics and physics are really good for a PS2 game, and there's a lot of attention to detail. So, for my from my perspective, I give the game a pass. But I I don't know if I'd go out of my way to find a copy of it. Well, I mean, it's cheap; it's two bucks. You know, uh, I I would say spend your money on GT4. Uh, personally, I'm curious, uh, Gran, if you want a uh PS2 racing game GT4 is kind of the way to go. GT4 is oh, it's like $5. <laughs> so spend the extra <laughs> spend the extra $3, trust me on that one. But uh gotcha. So basic information just kind of like type it in GT3. Uh, uh the the basic background of what happened with this game was this was supposed to come out in 2000. And its working title is Gran Turismo 2000, you know, much like every other fucking game (laughs) that (laughs) came out during that year. Basically, the short version is the game was delayed a year. Okay, they 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 needed to, you know, uh, whether it was fixing the physics, adding certain things into the game, licensing issues with getting certain cars, etc, etc. So the game was supposedly rushed for launch. And then delayed anyways. Oh. <laughs> so my theory is all of that content that was missing in GT3 was because of this rush job. And I think that's why there was a big turnaround on GT4 where the content was like astronomically more. 
They just basically oh, took man. kind of the basic engine idea of GT3 and just upgraded the shit out of everything. <laughs> wow. Yeah. A little background on that. But yeah, it it is a outstanding racing game. I just in the context of everything surrounding the game and its past and being a sequel and being part of the series. Uh, my perspective is this game was a disappointment, despite it being mechanically good. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. And then Joey's notes I have. He says, could not finish B license since the last event was glitched on his copy. <laughs> oh, no. He had issues with the Beetle events. Uh, he says the turning was a little stiff. Eh, makes sense. The physics, you know, whatever. Uh, he still had fun uh, with the game, doing C-class races in particular. Uh, he he said, like you, Colin, there was a lot of races and cars to choose from. He says Easy Pass and his favorite game of the podcast. Oh, a little spoiler there. I was going to say. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Our next game is a, ga- a game near and dear to my heart and nostalgia, but does the nostalgia hold up? Do I have rose-colored glasses through it all? Let's find out. It is <laughs> Jet Moto 2 from Sony Interactive Studios, published by Sony Computer Entertainment, released on the PlayStation in October of 1997, did not release in Japan, which I found that interesting, uh, did release in Europe of April 98, so way later. This is a, like, hover bike racer. It has a two-player sc- split-screen option, which is awesome. You can mm-hmm. input uh, a code on the title screen in which you can unlock all the courses of the first game. Uh, there's, like, eight characters, I think, to choose from. Uh, obviously, everyone chooses the Mountain Dew or the Purple Bike Chick. <laughs> Mountain Dew Dude is uh, a good classic dude to choose. Um, the courses are kind of wacky. It's pretty much the world's in apocalypse mode and everything's destroyed and you're just using these hover bikes to race around this apocalypse wasteland. So you got, uh, you got a lot of interesting courses here. You got, um, destroyed city, you got, uh, heaven and hell, which is a wild thing. You got, you have racing in, in, a, in an abandoned mine shaft. Uh, you're racing in uh, big hot springs area you get the idea there's a uh, the the courses are definitely very unique to one one another in and in different environments the problem is okay. these hover bikes are hard as fuck to control <laughs> oh really <laughs> uh the game does uh, support the dual analog controllers which was uh, kind of like a first of its kind situation uh uh-huh. yeah yeah it had the it had uh i remember as a kid like the controller vibrating i was like oh my god i've never experienced this before <laughs> the game's interacting mm. with me <laughs> <laughs> so i remember all that colin what'd you think well like with gran turismo i i watched a video of it and it looks like a lot of fun i mean F Zero meets MotoGP meets Excite Bike. That pretty much made me want to go out and buy the game, but on my end, it's kind of hard to go out and shop anymore. <laughs> but makes me kind of wonder if uh, modern day Mario Kart games got some inspiration from Jet Moto. 
just with all their motorcycle options and such. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. From what I could see, maybe it was just because the the player was making it look easy, but the gameplay looked pretty smooth. A bit like Wave Race, but without the water. And uh, the, tracks, well, the, the game is the locked in at 30 creative. frames per second. Uh, that's for sure. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the tracks are pretty creative, like you mentioned before, without being too cartoonish, like the one that has you jumping across pieces of freeway sticking out of the ocean. That one looked like a lot of fun. And that, that was something that I noticed just for the game as a whole. There's just a, a big amount of jumps and ramps to launch off of. And that looked like that made the game look even more fun. And it had it had good music. It really matched the high speed action. And every so often there's an energy chain that you can use to tighten your turns. Although you can only use it around certain energy pillars at certain turns. Yeah, so my theory behind that is they couldn't get the physics to go the way they wanted to. So on big turns like that, oh. they're like, okay, we're going to have these energy pillars to, to, to reel in a player so they don't fly off all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a crutch use. That's my theory. Makes sense. But yeah, if I ever found a copy of this, I would definitely pick it up. Yeah, I mean, Jet Moto 2 isn't that expensive. Uh, you can actually get the uh, Championship Edition, which is the greatest hits version. That has uh, the mm. first all the first game's tracks already unlocked. You don't need to uh, get the code for it all. Uh, so that's a... It's probably uh, the way to go. I think it's also cheaper as well. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Jet Moto 2 goes for about 7 bucks. The Greatest Hits version goes for about $4. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So It's not it's not an expensive game at all. Uh, the <laughs> So, I don't know if you noticed this, Colin. This game is heavily sponsored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely not afraid of product placement. I mean, you mentioned Mountain Dew, but there's also Chef Boyardee and Kawasaki and all that. <laughs> well, Chef Boyardee was a major sponsor of the game, and on, like, every single track throughout the game, you can see Chef Boyardee logos and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, that's pretty much par for the course with a lot of racing games. I mean, Gran Turismo had some, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't mind the sponsors in this game. It, it definitely feels like a rally race which is also heavily sponsored in real, in real life. So it kind of gave some sense of fun realism to it all. That's a case where sponsors are are actually kind of welcome. And it's really fun. When I was playing this, it was really fun just looking out for the sponsors to see. It was like, are these companies even still around anymore? <laughs> are they still yeah. <laughs> are they still associated with, uh, with racing and the like? And extreme sports, <laughs> I think it's safe to say it's not as... Uh, mainstream popular as it used to be in the late 90s early 2000s yeah i bet yeah the uh the soundtrack of this game i thought was pretty cool it had it had some good little sponsored music in there um but yeah the i think the the physics and the way the the uh hover bikes i think their speed was there's always like something felt awkwardly off about it all and you you definitely notice the problem with the physics on levels like the uh, well the mine shaft is probably the most notorious one where you're just constantly falling off this broken bridge constantly over and over again. You can never 
Yeah, at least in 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 my circumstance, you can never fucking hit it just right or with the right speed. It's just absolute bullshit. Uh, <laughs> there's the heaven and hell level, which is kind of the hardest one in the game, where you're just you're just falling off the stage over and over and over again. You, it's almost like you don't have a choice. <laughs> uh, what was the other? There's another stage I'm trying to think of because if you like hit your bike too hard, the player. As I mean, as realistic as it is, look, I'm playing a video game. I don't need my player to hit something hard and then they just fly off the bike every time. It's very aggravating. Uh, yeah, I bet. Yeah. There is a turbo thing in the game where every lap you can uh, you get your turbo uh, 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 kind of refilled. So you have a finite amount of turbo per lap. So that's a cool little thing you could do. But the problem is your speed is so all over the place that you almost never use it because the straightaways just kind of aren't there unless you're on the early levels. <laughs> so uh, yeah. at least that was my experience. I'm, I'm never, never good enough. I think my favorite course is definitely uh, the roller coaster park. Mm. That's one of my favorite ones. I really, really like that, that course. Cause you're, you're doing loop the loops, you're doing half pipes to turn <laughs> around. It's, it's, it's cool. And it, and it weirdly works. That does have one, instance on the course where you find yourself hitting the biker the bike and uh player just hit each other too hard and they fall off all the time you got to try to find oh, yeah. a groove in how to land your bike properly uh yeah yeah kind of wish there was a suspension system but you're on a hover bike so that kind of doesn't exist <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wish there was an upgrade system in this game i wish that existed yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, as you're going through uh, like a rally mode or campaign mode, if you will. Uh, I am still going to, because the game is hard as shit to control and play most of the time, it's definitely fun with friends. But uh, solo, I think this game fails. Ah, uh, that's too bad. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pass it anyway. All right, let's see what Joey has to say. Holy shit, the controls are bad. Graphics are a mess. Mountain Dew Racer for the win. Probably more fun, <laughs> more fun with friends, but very boring solo. He fails it. <laughs> there you go. Nice. All right. The time has come for my pick. Those first two picks were Joey's. My pick. Okay. Crash and Burn. Uh, Developed and published by Crystal Dynamics on the 3DO. A launch exclusive. Hell yeah, man. 3DO has returned to the <laughs> podcast. Which is really oh, funny boy. because Angry Video Game Nerd just did a whole episode over the 3DO. Yeah, yeah Colin, I just watched that one. It spoke to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, and he even went over Crash and Burn, and, uh, you know, when he puts it in the context of, oh, I don't know, 1993, and the 3DO was like a million dollars, and the only game that came out with it was this, I guess in the <laughs> context of it all, it would be disappointing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Colin, what'd you think of Crash and Burn? Now, I know you've played this game before. You're welcome. Yeah, I, play <laughs> I played it at your place before you were forcefully evicted from Canada. And 
I also remember not liking it much, but that's the 3DO for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I ref I watched a video to refresh my memory and the graphics and sound are atrocious, although the <laughs> the music the music is passable. Oh, come on, 1993, these graphics are awesome. What are you talking about? <laughs> so many polygons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I forgot this was a car combat racer, but it, it really doesn't do anything to make the game fun. No, they're they're like little squares hitting cars. It doesn't really feel like a car combat at all. Yeah, the animations are really janky. And when you when you catch fire, there's just these little overlays of fire icons which <laughs> yeah it's almost like away. they put an ms ms paint thing moving on it on the car <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah i think it's safe to say this game lived up to its namesake it crashed and burned hard ah well this was a packing game with the 3do and when i bought my 3do i got crash and burn with it hmm. i think you remember i think it was like one of eight games i got when I got my you 3DO. You paid too much for it. They should have paid you to take it. Oh, come on. I th what? Let's see. I think I paid $10 for the 3DO because I had uh, in I had the um, I had the credits with the store. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then all the games were like five bucks or less that I got. <laughs> so <laughs> let's see how much Crash and Bird generally goes for. It can't be a lot. Crash yeah, AVGN was mentioning some of the games. Uh, their original copies in the box go for a lot of money, but I'm not sure how accurate that is. Yeah, he, I mean, I'm looking at uh, price charting and some eBay. It's like 20 bucks. Complete in box, like 25 Too much. Wow, you're lame. You're lame. So yeah, Crash and Burn launch title. It was the only one that came out. Uh, it's It kind of plays like a wipeout game, but less, the car is less maneuverable. So it's trying to, it's trying to do a lot with speed over the tight controls that wipeout would have on the PlayStation years later. Yeah. Uh, so I found that interesting. Uh, the, the car combat itself, I think they were going for, I think they looked at F zero and they go, okay, we can do something with that idea and then add missiles. <laughs> You feel me? More or less. Yeah. Uh, there's 30 tracks, which, <laughs> when you compare to Gran Turismo, this game has more, which I thought was funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's only designed for one player with the tournament mode, so that's disappointing. They This should have been a... Uh, this definitely should have been a multiplayer game. The fact that this was single was really disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the game wants to do full motion videos, as does most 3DO games. So you have, yeah. Uh, yeah, in between races, you get wacky FMVs with the racers, which are kind of funny. They flaunt their, they they flaunt their skills, and they, as as the Wikipedia uh, says, insult their opponents with death threats. <laughs> so like, they're basically wrestlers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yes, they're 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 cutting promos at, at the. Um, on the on the character select screen and in between races, yeah, exactly. It's uh, maybe that's why it speaks to me. 
<laughs> but there's only six Doesn't racers. There's only six racers, and they they look like uh you know it's like something straight out of the '90s, Ren and Stimpy style artwork type shit. Very very yeah. radical, dude. <laughs> <laughs> really righteous. Really righteous. I'm gonna make you eat your Mountain Dew. There you go. So, uh, yeah, it was um, it was rushed at launch. <laughs> shocker, shocker. And uh, the game's very, very bare bones basic. It's, uh, I would say it's a very average game at best. So I think um, in all of the disappointment, it's uh, Colin, shocker, this 3DO game fails. Yeah, that's one good thing about 3DO games. They make for easy selections for worst of the cast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think there's one worse than this on the cast that we haven't spoken about yet. If you couldn't guess, I fail this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joey, first off, Boo 3DO. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have read that. What the fuck are the characters? Agreed. Uh, su- <laughs> surprisingly, it was good for when it came out. Uh, I don't know where he got that idea, but he still didn't like it. It wasn't fun. He fails. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, Colin, your pick, and then you'll do K's ghost pick at the end. Okay. My game is Pole Position for the Atari 2600. That's right, folks. We're going really retro this time. It was developed by Namco and published by Atari for the North America and France versions. And by Namco for the Japanese... Wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. Published by Namco for the Japanese and EU versions. It was released in the arcades in Japan on September 16th, 1982, in North America on November 30th, 1982, and in the EU in late 1982. I'm not sure when the Atari port came out. I think it was maybe the following year. So, JD, did this game bust your crank and leave skid marks on your soul? Oh, you've been waiting to say that. Damn right. (laughs) Uh... It played a lot like OutRun, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, OutRun got a lot of inspiration from it, so that makes sense. Yeah. Of course, I'm sure over the course of this pandemic, I'm sure you've busted many cranks <laughs> since dating is that much harder. I don't know where you get that idea from. You can't prove a thing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I am a very uh, religious man. I would never partake in such blasphemy. Sure, dude. Sure. Never. But I did play some pole position for this podcast. Yeah. For those wondering, pole position refers to the position at the inside of the front row at a start of a motor race, usually given to the driver with the best qualifying time. There's also a dick joke in there somewhere, but I'm too lazy to come up with it. Was your pole at its position for this game? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that works. The premise is simple. You're a Formula One racer racing against other F1 racers, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I picked this one because while it's a very simplistic game, it's worth talking about purely for the commercial alone. Here, I'll, I'll link it in the Discord so because we need to watch it together and record, well, your reaction. I've already okay. seen it a million times. Shoot me the link. One, one moment. I can't wait. I can't wait. I've never seen this commercial. <laughs> okay, into podcast-focused content. Uh, Joey says Everton is pain. <laughs> I don't think they're doing too well. 
All right, it's on the disc. It's in the Discord. Uh, where did you put it? And podcast focused content. Okay. All right. All right. I will. Uh, do you want me to count down for you? Yes. All right. Three, two, one, go. Hey! Yeah? You look like a real jerk. Well, I am a corporate executive. We've got the exciting things from happening. So what you doing? Well, Muffy, Buffy, Biff Jr. and I are going on our Sunday drive. Oh, no, you ain't. You're going to play Ball Position! Oh, my God. A giant hand sky is That is some rockin' rockin' music. Oh, now he's in an F1 car. Oh, the family's in an F1 car. Oh, they're racing. Oh, they're crashing. Oh, no, they're dead. People actually died. Nothing like dumping a, a, a corporate family into massive F1 cars and watching them crash into billboards and die. Now, oh, everyone's passing him. Ball position. Ball position. Check out that air guitar. Oh my God! Someone turned the filter on. It's blue. It's green. It's it's black and white. He's got crazy eye goggles on. Dear God. All right. I'm very happy. I'm very that happy we amazing. watched that. That was worth it alone. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, dude, what are you? I'm a corporate executive. Yeah, he keeps fun from happening. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Did he really name his kids Muff and Biff? Buffy, Buffy, and Biff Jr. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> Create a faction. Eighties, so and it's amazing. Create a faction in a wrestling game and just call call uh, family pole position Muffy, Buffy, and Biff Junior. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Well, that was a really really fun commercial. We need more commercials like that. That's like those Ratchet and Clank commercials, uh, uh, where yeah. uh, they they have all the guns and they're doing wacky shit in like a a front yard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The hand coming out of the sky really, like, took me for a loop. I was not expecting that. Yeah. It's just... I mean, the voice the voice already was pretty wacky. But then the hand just shaking everybody out of the car into the Formula One cars. Jesus. Oh, man. It'll bust so your much crank. Fun. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, so it, play, it plays yeah the game plays like uh like an outrun a um what's that uh motorbike game I think it's Moto it's not MotoGP is it maybe it's MotoGP I'm I'm definitely more familiar with uh Master System games yeah kind of yeah. like this but uh yeah you uh you just try to I guess qualify and um, pass cars and if you hit a car or hit a billboard your car will explode. And obviously, yeah. you lose a lot of time. Um, I played this on the Atari 2600, and the joystick is very sensitive for this game. It's it's uh, it takes a lot of getting used to, and um, I think the whole idea is turns are the most difficult thing <laughs> to get down. Yeah. And if there's a car directly in front of you on one of these turns, 
uh, you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, this was the highest grossing game in North America in 1983. And again in 1984 in the U.S. Really? I would have yeah. thought Donkey Kong was even... Oh, I guess that was just before it, wasn't it? Could be, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's widely regarded as one of the most influential games of all time. I mean, like we said, OutRun borrowed a lot from it. Yeah, there's a lot of racing it, games of the time that uh, takes takes a lot from pole position. Yeah, it even had a cartoon show, though. It's apparently almost nothing like the game. I would imagine not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you can actually get this on the Intellivision uh, for 30 bucks. Uh, supposedly it's on the Vectrix, that monstrosity of a thing. Uh, that's like 80 bucks. Uh, I, I got it on the Atari 2600. I bought it for five bucks. Uh, it's definitely a piece of history that I think if you have an Atari, you, you ha- kind of have to have pole position. Yeah, um, yeah. Does does the sounds hold up? I don't think so. I, I think it's definitely a game you play on like a low volume so it doesn't... Uh, irritate your ears to bleed <laughs> yeah 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 that you you could just play it with like different play it with your headphones on listening to other music or a podcast right I, I mean that's basically what i did um how far did you get or did you like emulate this like what did you what did you do for this yeah i emulated it i mm-hmm. mean i think because it looks like it, from from what I played, it's less about actually racing other cars and more like you're just racking up points with as as far as you can go without running out the clock. It's very arcadey in that regard. Yeah, I mean, you got to qualify. Takes like a minute or two. And then uh, you qualify for the the Fuji racetrack, and then you just try to accumulate as much points as you can. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah, apparently this was the first racing game to have a racetrack that was based on a real Formula One racetrack. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Have you ever played the arcade uh, pole position before? No, I haven't even seen a, a pole position machine anywhere. So I've played... I'm pretty sure I played uh, pole position two at a at a barcade in like Nova Scotia, like years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, nice. I, I, yeah, yeah. There's um. So when you go when you go to the Maritimes, Colin, uh, at least in my experience, there was a lot of barcades. Because <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with the Maritimes. Not a lot out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> So, like, every town had a barcade, and there was always, you know, there was always the classics. Uh, 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 there's a, uh, a Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, and inevitably, there would always be a room with, like, an Intellivision or a ColecoVision. Uh, this one barcade I went in Nova Scotia had uh, almost exclusively 80s arcade machines. So, there was Donkey Kong, there was Pac-Man, there was Pole Position, and then th- that's where... That's where I played. I believe it was pole position too. I don't think it was the first one, but uh, it had oh, the yeah. whole it had the whole wheel and the and the pedal and all that. And uh, weirdly addicting when you are getting drunk with randos uh, trying to get a high score <laughs> yeah. pole position. So that was that was kind of a eighties uh, like experience. I was able to 
have with pole position. You know, <laughs> for something that came out in the early 80s, I really don't have much to complain about. It's really a product of the time. I'm going to pass pole position. Yeah. I mean, sure, it hasn't aged that well, but it's, like like we said, it's very, very influential. It's very, it's very of the time, yeah. So for that reason, I'll give it a pass. Yeah, and I don't know if I mentioned the price, but, you know, five, ten bucks, you can get pole position. And Joey nice. says, uh, sounds are annoying. Fun for maybe five minutes, and then no more. He fails it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty harsh on that pole position. <laughs> All right. He didn't see the commercial. <laughs> he did. No, he did not. If he saw the commercial, I think he would have passed immediately, just based on that. <laughs> In fact, I think I am passing it just based on the commercial. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Colin, our last yeah. game. End our pain. <laughs> It is Sonic R on the Sega Saturn. Let me just pull up the the information on Wikipedia. K picked this monstrosity. <laughs> it's developed by Sonic Team and Traveler's Tales and published by Sega. And it was released on 18th of November, 1997, I guess worldwide. Yes. To everyone's pain it's, and despair. Yeah, it's what it's what you think it is. It's all the it's all the characters of Sonic, at least of the time, racing. I mean, there's Sonic himself. There's Tails. There's Knuckles. There's Amy Rose and Doctor Robotnik. But you can't it's pick like, Doctor Robotnik until you unlock. Uh, you beat all the uh, the modes and unlock him, and then there's like four other characters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't say I've ever played a Sonic racing game or even a racing game with Sonic in it. Oh, this is horrible. They're yeah. all horrible. Well, okay, uh, Sonic Team Racing on the Wii and Wii U. Those are fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are, those are fun. It has a lot more uh, Sega influence rather than just Sonic. But this one, <laughs> dear God, I'm trying to look at what who the other characters are that you would unlock because God knows I'm not playing it that much to unlock them. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I think I now see where Sonic Adventure got its mechanics, or at least the prototype of them. Oh god, you're right. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, it makes so much more sense. Yeah, and I noticed a stage called Radical City exists, so I think I now know where Radical Highway from Sonic Adventure 2 came from. Oh. <laughs> oh no it's Sonic R we have all this to blame <laughs> Colin you know they had to develop their own game engine for this this monstrosity doesn't surprise me yeah and being that it was already difficult to make games on the Saturn because of it's like 4,000 processors or whatever I could just yeah. imagine the hell that they went through to try to make this I... thing work yeah, I can only imagine. I wonder if Wikipedia has anything to say. It's like, uh, let's see, I'm looking in the development section right now. It's like, 
Traveler's Tales chose to rebuild a Formula One game they were developing into a Sonic-branded title. And then development began in February 1997 as a joint project between Sonic Team and Traveler's Tales. It was originally known as Sonic TT, which stands for Tur Tourist Trophy. Horrible. And then... Okay, the other characters to unlock. This sucks. Metal Sonic, Tails Doll, Metal what? Knuckles, Egg Robo, Robotics, Robotnik's Assistant, and then Super Sonic, the faster version of Sonic, of course. <laughs> Man, could you imagine getting good, good enough at Sonic R, and then you unlock Tails Doll? You know how disappointing you would be? Yeah, really. It's like, oh, we're not we're not making a new character or anything, and then, then you get hyped up for maybe a, the, the next true Sonic game has that character. No, 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 none of that. Fucking doll tails. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I only... I watched a video of it, and I only saw the guy playing as Knuckles. And he used the glide feet... The glide mechanic a lot to skip across or cut a lot of corners in the tracks. Oh yeah. I'm just wondering if the the physics of this if... game are are so bad that there's you don't have to like jump to get back on the track because you you will fall off. This is ass yeah, controls. Yeah. Uh, you you just <laughs> the the camera just like goes up all the time out of nowhere. It's really bizarre, and then you end up falling off like a bridge or the stage, and then you of course see half the stage get cut off and it's just a void uh and and then when you just get back on you just you know left or right and then it just shoots you back up on the stage it's ridiculous yeah yeah i mean the tracks themselves seem to have a decent amount of depth to them with all the branching paths and shortcuts and secrets if you Although, can tell where you're going sure yeah that, that i was just gonna say it they might be a little too complicated well you can't I mean, tell where you're going like, that's the problem. Although there, there are arrows pointing which way to go. If you're going so, slow enough to see them, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will admit, I, I like the music. I mean, kind of like the music of Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. It's a bit of a guilty pleasure. Mm -hmm. I mean, cheesy, but damn it, I can't help but hum along. Yeah, it's... Uh, I do kind of like how you can unlock Supersonic by collecting all seven Chaos Emeralds. Of course, they're hidden pretty well. You gotta really explore the levels to know where they are. Yeah. But, uh, there's only five tracks, to my knowledge, so not a lot of uh, replayability here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seems that way. Uh, the whole point of coins like that you collect along the stage is to unlock little shortcuts, so at least it's got that going for it. Yeah, yeah. It seem, that kind of makes it into more of an exploration game than a full-on racing game. Uh, yes, correct. It's like they... it's And it is almost... So this came out in 97. I believe... When did Crash Team Racing come out? What was that, 99? Don't know. Let's see here. Well, I don't want nitro-fueled, fucker. I want that new one. <laughs> Uh, CTR, yeah, CTR came out in 99, and then, obviously, Super Mario Kart was out years before it, and Mario yeah. Kart had, I don't recall Mario Kart having that many 
if any, shortcuts. So maybe this was the one that introduced the concept? Nah, I'm probably giving this way too much credit. They had to have taken <laughs> this from another game. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. Uh, controls like ass, looks like ass. It's very polygonal. Uh, later in the Saturn's lifespan, custom game engine. I'm sure they had a mess dealing with that. Uh, look, I fail this game so easily. I hated <laughs> this with so much passion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I didn't really get to play it, so I, I don't know if I... Colin, are you telling me you of... didn't go out and buy a Sega Saturn and spend $65 on Sonic R? I got a queen-size bet to buy. Oh, okay. I ain't got time for that shit. Me too. Yeah, I know. Same deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I emulated the shit out of this game. I'm not spending money on Sonic R. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll give it a soft fail. A soft it, it has fail? Some, has some redeeming qualities, like the music. Oh, no way. Joey says, don't like the camera angles. The running motion is awkward. What is up with this music? Levels are interesting. <laughs> Supersonic breaks the game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, yeah, you definitely got to at least watch a Let's Play of Supersonic, of people yeah. just actively breaking this thing. It, it, is, <laughs> it is really funny to see. I, I sh That has to be mentioned. Good job, Joey. Good notes. Uh, all right. Yeah. So just to recap here, our five games we played were Gran Turismo 3A Spec, Jet Moto 2, Crash and Burn, Pole Position, and Sonic R. I will go through Joey's uh, grades. His favorite was Gran Turismo 3. His least favorite was Pole Position. I think it's because it was just five minutes and nothing. Uh, yeah. He gives Gran Turismo 3 an A. Jet Moto 2 a C, Crash and Burn a C, Pole Position a D, and Sonic R a D. What say you, Colin? Well, let's see. I, uh, my favorite is probably Jet Moto. My least favorite, Crash and Burn. Aww. And for Tears, I give Gran Turismo a B. Jet Moto, I guess also a B. And Crash and Burn, F. What? Oh, you're crazy. Uh, pole Position, D. Although maybe I'll up it to a C because of the commercial. Up it to a C. It's required with that commercial. Yeah. And Sonic R, Executive decision. <laughs> Did you say B or D? D for Sonic R. Oh, I was a little scared there. <laughs> what was your favorite and least favorite? It was a Jet Moto favorite, Crash and Burn least favorite. Uh, all right. Uh, Gran Turismo, I will also give it a B uh, just because of the content that was lacking from the game. Uh, Jet Moto, I will give it a... Or Jet Moto 2, I'll give it a C. Crash and Burn, I will also give it a C. It's not broken by any means. It's just not very exciting. Pole position, I'm giving it an A, actually. Ah, thanks. Yes. And Sonic R, I give that an F. Not that it makes a difference to the <laughs> overall score. So uh, my favorite is Jet Moto 2. And yes, nostalgia does definitely have a lot to do with that. My least favorite, <laughs> without saying much, is definitely Sonic R. <laughs> 
So let's see, that gives our overall grades, uh, GT3 a B, Jet Moto a C, Crash uh, a D, Pole Position C, and Sonic R gets a D. Okay, there's nothing really high scoring uh, overall this time around. So, next episode is 94 and on. We haven't picked those games yet. So we get to uh we get to pick ahead for the games ahead uh coming up here over the summer. So that should be exciting. Um might have to delay a certain RPG cast cuz I'm definitely not finishing Persona 3 before June. <laughs> cuz when did Persona 3 come out? It came out like July 2006. So I have at least until August to pick that, to finish that sucker. (laughs) (laughs) If I so choose, of course. All right. Colin. The longest, uh, longest cast in a little bit here, going almost an hour and a half. Yeah. And with only two of us. Well, we had a lot, I had a lot to say over Gran Turismo. It was a lot to break down with that game. It's a big one. Yeah. And there was a lot for pole position as well. Yeah. All right. I guess everybody will see you next time. Adios. Bye now.